reading from the first book of Samuel. Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The Lord called to Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said, you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as of yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So he said to Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him, not permitting any word of his to be without effect. The word of the Lord. for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry, and he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice or offering you wished not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Holocaust or sin offerings you sought not. Then I said, Behold, I come. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. I come to do your will. In the written scroll, it is prescribed for me to do your will, O my God, is my delight, and your law is within my heart. Here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips, as you, O Lord, know. Here am I, Lord, 
Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he was saying and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. 
the, uh, the, the very first baptism that I performed when we had, you know, reconfigured our baptistry over there was for a six-year-old boy. And just as I'm about to start, he says, Deacon Ed, why do they call it baptism? Good question, good question. I said, well, it means to take a bath. He wasn't all happy about that answer. He's like, why'd they call it that? I said, well, that's a really good question. This is a six-year-old theologian, right? Okay. Theology means faith-seeking, understanding. He believed, he wanted to be baptized, he wanted to understand what was going on. And I said, well, because you are, you have a body and you have a soul, what happens to you physically in the sacraments also happens on the spiritual side. So when you feel the stain of dirt washing off of you, so too the sin is washing off of your soul. He's like, oh, okay. He didn't know he was a great theologian, right? Asking an important question. But it goes to the very heart of what it means to be a human being. Exactly what are we as creatures in the created universe? So let me ask you this question. As a human being, are you a body that has a soul, or are you a soul trapped in a body? Think about it a minute. You don't have to answer. It's okay. Thinking about it? It's a trick question. It's neither. You are not just a body or just a soul. You are a unique combination of body and soul together as one entity, quite different from everything else in creation. You think about the angels, right? Pure spirit. You think about animals, trees, rocks, flowers. They are purely physical bodies. That's all they are. But we, as human beings, are a composite. And so we believe that we were created that way, body and soul united together into one creature, the purpose of which is to come to know, love, and serve God. And additionally, our Savior has asked us to help make disciples of other people so that they too may learn to know, love, and serve him. And we do this in the world he has designed for us, the physical world, which is why we have to have, at least part of us, be a body to work in this world. Now, there have been many, many different misunderstandings about what it means to have a body in the world. And St. Paul, in our letter to the Corinthians that we read today, addresses a problem that rose up in the Christian community of Corinth. Corinth is a port city in Greece. Um, and as you can imagine, being a port city, it had quite a wild reputation, like, you know, New Orleans or Singapore, one of those places like that. And so within that community, this misunderstanding grew up of the basic Christian message. It's a heresy that's called dualism. Now, dualism has taken forms many different ways over the centuries, but at its basis, it holds that the human soul or spirit is holy, but the human body is evil or has no value. And so because the body doesn't mean anything, you can do whatever you want with it. You can either, you know, torture it with strict ascetic practices, or you can, you know, fling around with it and do whatever. And that was the problem that had infected the Corinthians. They had drifted into this idea that they could do whatever they wanted with their bodies because their souls were saved. The letter, by the way, 
addresses in particular um, specific things of sexual immorality that were going on in the Christian church because of this false idea. Um, a lot of uh, which also, by the way, came from the uh, pagan cults of prostitution that were quite prevalent in that area. So Paul needs to correct the idea. And he tells them, no, your bodies are made for Christ, to be of service to Christ in the world that God created. And furthermore, these same bodies will one day be glorified in Christ, like his body after the resurrection, when our soul will be reunited within our, with our body. See, that was the, that was the pain, the, the price of original sin, that we had to go through death, that this horrible physical spiritual separation, because we're no longer what God meant us to be. When we die and, and, and our bodies and souls are separated, we are not fully what God meant us to be. But Paul tells the Corinthians that their bodies are intended for service to Christ and his church, and therefore must be respected. Can't abuse them positively, negatively, because it's part of who we are. It's one of the reasons, by the way, the church insists that um, even after death, the body be respected, that it be properly buried. Even cremated remains must be properly buried, placed in a, a columbarium or something. You don't, you, know, you, know, you don't shoot them out of a cannon over a battlefield somewhere or you know, secretly hide them at the haunted mansion at Disney World, which, by the way, they actually have a crew that has to watch people and make sure that doesn't happen. We don't do that. Now, the specifics of how we are supposed to use our body to serve the Lord in this world depend on how and what God calls us to as individuals. And that call is as unique as each one of us. Today's first reading and today's gospel give us some examples of different calls to people. You know, Samuel in the first reading doesn't recognize the call. Takes three tries before he finally realizes, huh, it's God. God's calling me. So if we don't recognize the call right away, God will repeat it until we finally catch on. Then we look at the, uh, in the gospel reading where John says, behold, the Lamb of God. It's like, oh, the Lamb of God. I'm going to follow him. And so it becomes more a term of discernment. In other words, Jesus says, come and see. So the person recognizing that there is a call then needs to prayerfully consider exactly what that call is. Our call is as different as we are from one to another. Our call is as different as the differences in our bodies. And those differences in our bodies remind us of all the different gifts and talents that the Lord spreads around for the benefit of his church. So whether you're young or old or black or white or male or female or any other way you can pick, you know, to choose differences among people, You're called to serve as you are. You're called to serve as you are with the entirety of your being, body and soul, united in service to the Lord. Now, this has several implications. One of the most important is you were made as God intended you to be. Think about that a second. God intended you to be the way you were made. Don't ask me why. You can ask him one day. 
But if you think that you are really something else trapped inside of a body, then either you are mistaken or God is mistaken. Or even worse, God is lying. I don't think God lies. I don't think God makes mistakes. So please prayerfully take what I've said to heart and think about it carefully. We must also each seek to understand how God is calling us individually and to what he is calling us to do. We need to take it to prayer. We need to best then execute that as we understand it. And that understanding may change as time, just as when we're young, our calling is to be kids. When we get married, we're, that's our calling. Then we raise our kids, and then we become grandparents. Still, the calling is there within our lives. By the way, if, if you happen to feel inadequate okay, for your calling, if you say, I'm, I'm too short, I, I'm not this, I'm not that, I, I could be better, uh-uh. Now, don't even think that you lack importance. Think of the history of the saints of our church. How many times people who thought they were insignificant or whom others thought were insignificant turned out to be big saints. I've got three examples for you. The first one you may not have heard of, he's Canadian. Brother Andre Bessette. Has anybody heard of him? He was so poorly thought of by the men in his order that he was given the lowest job in the entire place. He was assigned to be the doorman. He would open the door to allow people to come in when they came to visit, to see the other priests, to do whatever. But Brother Andre welcomed each person as if he were welcoming Jesus Christ personally. And people noticed. And over time, they came just to talk to the doorman. And he became a saint. Another one whom I think you may have heard of, and I know you have, Therese of Lisieux. Therese of Lisieux, as a young girl, entered the convent, but she became deathly ill and was bedridden most of the time she was there. Most of the other nuns didn't think much of her. Some of them at first thought she might be faking it a little bit, but no, she was dying. She, she was ill. But she came up with what she called her little way, and she taught us that no matter how small we are, we can do little things for God. Every little thing that we do in our life, if, it, if we do it as if it is the most important thing for God, pleases God. And so that small way leads us to holiness. And finally, and I'm not going to tell you this person's name at first, this guy desperately wanted to enter the seminary. Kept getting rejected kept getting rejected. He was finally let in. But because he was short and fat and spoke slowly and haltingly, the other seminarians gave him the nickname of the dumb ox. You and I know him as St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes, isn't that amazing? So never, ever feel too small, too inadequate, too unimportant. God made you the way he made you. Now, our Lord himself humbly comes to us as simple bread and wine. But those two substances have such power 
when their substance is changed and become his. So therefore, my friends, strengthened by our Lord's example and by his gift, let us glorify God with all our being, body and soul together, as he made us for his glory and living in the hope of our own resurrection. God love you.